The information discussed in this episode is intended as general information only. It is not intended for one-on-one medical advice, and you should always consult your healthcare practitioner before making any changes. And if you like the content discussed in this episode, please go leave a review so that others can benefit from it as well. I am a woman on a mission that is dedicated to teaching you just how powerful your body was built to be. I like to do that by bringing you the latest science, the greatest thought leaders, and applicable steps that help you tap into your own internal healing power. The purpose of this podcast is to give you the power back and help you believe in yourself again. My name is Dr. Mindy Pels, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hello, and welcome to the Resetter Podcast. This is Jessica, the sidekick of Dr. Mindy to this show, and I want to welcome you to episode 43, Embracing Adversity to Fuel Growth with our guest, Lance Isios. Lance is the amazing host of the University of Adversity podcast, where he has interviewed more than 250 inspirational humans and was named one of the top 20 podcasts that will help you grow in 2020 by Entrepreneur Magazine. His podcast is all about learning how to shift your perspective on adversity, that although adversity may feel like your worst enemy, it can actually be your greatest ally. His mission is to connect with unique and inspiring individuals and showcase their journey and what they've gone through in order to be successful in their lives. And in this episode, we are learning all about why we have to seek adversity, how to find your purpose, tools to pull yourself through adversity, why we need to stop looking at our phones in the morning, the power of having a routine around your morning and your evening, the importance of gratitude, how the power of belief is part of our journey, and the importance of having a deep-rooted why. And if you've been listening to this podcast for some time, then you know Dr. Mindy and myself love a deep-rooted why. This episode is going to be so powerful for anyone listening to it, and we hope that it inspires you. If you are going through adversity right now, know that there is a purpose, a lesson, and a reason to be grateful. To quote one of our favorites, Dr. Joe Dispenza, life is about the management of energy. Where you place your attention is where you place your energy. And if you know somebody who needs to hear this message, who needs to hear this episode, please share it out. You can easily share from Apple or Spotify or just copy and paste the link to wherever you are currently listening to this. And if you are listening on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review on your thoughts for today's episode. We hope that you enjoy. When you're in the middle of a fast, do you ever hit a wall and then you really start to struggle? Like, I know this happens to me sometimes. Like, I'm going along, I'm feeling really good, and then bam, All of a sudden, I'm out of energy, I'm starving, and it's like my brain is turned off. So check this out. If that's happened to you, there's a really good chance you're running low on minerals. Fasting makes your mitochondria produce more energy. It speeds up fat burning. It helps you make more ketones so your brain is really sharp. But the part of fasting that we don't talk enough about is that those benefits often come at an expense to your body. So you got to look at your body doing the right thing at the right time always. And when you hit that crash, it's a large chance that your body has had to use a ton of minerals to be able to supercharge you in the fasted state. And if your minerals are already low, you can end up depleted. 
So that is why I love Beam Minerals. They make a full-spectrum mineral supplement that is perfect for fasting. It's in a liquid form. It, it literally tastes like water. You just have to take a shot halfway through your fast, and you can keep going a whole lot longer without the hunger and the fatigue. So if you want to experience this, if you want to try it in your fasting window and see what kind of results you get, just go on over to beamminerals.com and enter the code MINDY for 20% off. And as always, let me know how it works for you. I'm really excited to bring this information to you all because you deserve to thrive in your fasted state. adversity. So, you know, you hopefully you know our resetters and we really are on a mission to get people out of a state of metabolic inflexibility. And a big piece of this is that people are living in a comfort zone where they're eating all day, they're eating what they want, they're really geared towards comfort and it's building disease in their body. And what I really want, the message I'm trying to get out to people is we want to bring you over here to this natural state that you were born to thrive in, this fat-burning, metabolically flexible place. And one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on is because for so many of our resetters, to go from that place of knowing you need to change your food habits, knowing that your life needs to look different, over to this place of total health, there's going to be some adversity and you're going to hit some bumps. So I really want to dive in with you into this concept of adversity and how can we look at adversity different and how can we manage adversity different? And I'm just going to say you're the adversity guru. Do people call you that? No, but I love that. And I, I really love embracing it because that word itself came to me before I did the podcast because of my own story. So yeah, it's, it's really adversity has been a gift for me. You know, in my own life, and you know the things that I've gone through, and being able to create a podcast and and that kind of thing is like I really love to dive into that, and I think it's very important for people to get really comfortable with their stories and their own adversities in order to really see what they're made of, so that they can get wherever they want in their life. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. And without leaning into that adversity, I wouldn't even know what is possible in my own life. Mm, yeah. So. Speaking of YouTube channels, do you ever watch Yes Theory? No, but I'm going to write it down. Cause... Oh, you've got to go watch them. So my kids turn... This is what happens when you have a 20-year-old and an 18-year-old is they turn you on to all these different things. And they, it's a group of guys and their tagline is seek discomfort. So they purposely put themselves in adverse situations. So like one guy one time did a five-day water fast. And then the ne- one time they went to Wim Hof in Poland and they jumped in cold water. But their whole premise is that they're, they're putting themselves in uncomfortable situations and then they share what they learned from it. Mm. And what I think is so interesting about what you've done with your podcast is you're taking these really successful people who only became successful because of adversity. But nobody's seeking adversity other than these guys that I know of, are they? Well, and that's almost the thing too. It's like we almost have to seek it because it's coming anyways. And it's just as important on the journey as, you know, there's not really good or bad, right? It's all how we perceive it. And I really believe the more that we get comfortable with those challenges and the struggles as part of the journey, 
the more we allow ourselves to learn from it. And a lot of these people, what I've learned from over the year or over the last couple of years of interviewing them is we're all so similar. Like we really are. And we've all gone through things. And a lot of these people who are very successful are just further along their story. And mm. they have been able to take that and allow themselves to be empowered from the situation rather than to be a victim. And a lot of people would rather choose to be a victim. It's not necessarily their fault. But I find the really successful people in their language and how they speak and what they do, they always come from a place of empowerment. So there's always a, a positive spin to whatever they're going through. And I really have learned that that's really the game of life is looking at the adversity and the challenge as that's it, like a, a way to get better. And yeah, in the moment, it sucks. We don't like to feel uncomfortable. But mm-hmm. if we can get used to feeling uncomfortable, like the cold showers and the cold plunges and fasting and doing things that program ourselves to be uncomfortable because of the benefit coming from it, then when things come in real life, you know, even like what we've gone through in the last six months, it's not as bad because we're sort of programmed for the battle. We're ready for it. Yeah. yeah. That's an interesting perspective because I think if we're trying to stay in comfort, then anytime we get knocked out of that, it's, we freak out and have a little tantrum, yeah. right? But if we're yeah. looking for the discomfort, if we're, if we're, and then we expect it when it comes. So it's just a change in our expectation. Is that what you would say? Yeah, it, it really is because it's coming no matter what. You know, like there's always going to be these challenges and struggles. And it's really just how you look at them. Because no matter what, if things are always easy, al- although that's comfortable, you're not going to grow. Mm-hmm. Right? You, the only time we grow and we look back and you know, even when we're teaching people or looking back in hindsight, we always talk about the things we went through, the challenges. We don't talk about, oh yeah, October 2018, everything was smooth. You know, it was great. It's like, unfortunate. well, fortunately, it's, those are the things that allow us to teach because nobody wants to learn about all the easy stuff. We want to be like, so I went through this and I got through it. So now here you go. Here's the medicine you need to get through what you got to get through. But in the moment... It's hard to realize that. And I think just having that awareness that it's coming and embrace it, that it becomes less about it being a struggle and more about part of the journey. Yeah. Yeah, no. And do you think you can become successful without adversity? Have you interviewed... I mean, your podcast is built off of adversity. I'm sure you haven't brought anybody on that hasn't had it. But have you met anybody who's been a massive success without without a major adversity? Well, what I really noticed from the journey of the podcast is that when I first started, I was seeking out... It had to be somebody went through something so crazy, survived and came out. But what I really realized is that it's subtle sometimes and it shows up in different areas in different ways. So I think everybody has had adversity at some point in order to become who they are. I think it's... I also believe that we learn the lesson until we have learned and we've taken and you know we can get shown the same thing over and over again. It's like getting slapped in the face, like you're getting shown that until you learn. And I think a lot of people have to go through a certain amount before they get they learn their lesson. And I think that there's different degrees of that. And you know, some people have gone through a lot worse. And I don't think you necessarily need to go through it now because you can learn from people just by listening to podcasts and YouTube. And you can learn a lot and, and not have to go through the same thing. 
But there is something to be said about you know the struggle and the learning from it. But no, I mean, there's definitely different ways. And, and I think it's just where you, you find that line of when have I learned the lesson here? Yeah. And you know, how can I apply that in my life and not go back to doing the same thing that's not working over and over again? Yeah. I feel like my grandma taught me that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I, she's like, I remember her saying like, well, you'll just keep learning the lesson until you learn it. You'll keep give it, get the lesson over and over until you learn it. So yeah. tell us a little bit about your story, just so that my resetters have a little background on you, because it wasn't like one day you're like, hey, I think I'll do a podcast on adversity. You've, you had your own adversity that propelled you into this. And that's how the whole show was born. That's why it means so much to me. So, you know, I started out, I grew up in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. I was a hockey player. I came from, we didn't have a lot of money, but I had a lot of love from like zero to eight. A lot of fighting in my family, though, a lot of emotional draining moments, but a lot of love, which I'm grateful for now because I look back and I go, the only reason I can be the way I am today is because of that, those eight years and 10 years, because they were so informative. They're so important. But I was on a path to play hockey, but play professional hockey. And talk about diet advice and nutrition advice. Things have changed so much. Oh, I bet. I mean, I'm 37 <laughs> now. And what I was taught when I was like 11 and 12, and it's just crazy. Carb loading. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's so, you know, I went through that stage and I went through, I was the hockey player and that was it. I didn't care about school. I didn't care about that. And on my final year going, I was trying to get a scholarship to the States. I went and did a big cycle of steroids and it really like messed up my... I gained a bunch of weight. Really stupid. Because right. I wanted to be so big and strong that I was willing to like, you know, cheat my way into it. And so I did that. I went to training camp and they basically said, look, like you're way too heavy. I don't know what you did. And then that was kind of like my opportunity gone. <laughs> yeah. And I've told it a couple of times. I don't, I don't, a lot of people don't know this, but like, I, I really think it's a big part of my story because from there, I was still stuck in the identity of the hockey player. What do I do now? And this is a real problem with athletes as mm-hmm. they don't know how to get out of that. Look, I'm not in pro sports or I am in pro or I'm a college, but I'm not that anymore. So how do I shift out? So true. I'm stuck in that identity. So I was stuck. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I tried all the things trades, tried school. I tried becoming a firefighter. I did all the things. And it wasn't until I found bartending and hospitality that allowed me to really to shine in that area because I loved people. But I was in a, I had... Once hockey ended, I got into drugs, alcohol very a lot. And I was lost. I was, I was a lost soul. And working in the bar industry allowed me to play in this toxic environment that I, I got comfort from. I got a lot mm. of a lot of boxes ticked. You know, I got to meet meet the girls, make the money, be toxic, do all these things and get rewarded for it with tips. So yeah. I gravitated towards that. And I, I allowed me to work in that environment. I got to travel around the world. I got to live in Australia for five years. But during that time, I was in a very dark place. And while I was there, my dad was visiting me. I hadn't seen him in three and a half years. And we got the news that my younger brother had taken his life. So while I was in this like really dark place, I got that news. I had to tell my dad. My dad was there. That was not a comfortable situation Mm. that I don't want anybody to ever go through. But this is such a point in my story that I feel is necessary to talk about. And from there, things changed. And within that year, my dad got cancer and died, got pancreatic cancer. A lot changed for me, obviously, 
And that that year in 2017, I decided to take a whole year off alcohol and really get out of that environment and really be like, I this isn't going to serve me anymore. So I got into doing a lot of online marketing, trying to get into like, you know, direct sales and all that kind of stuff. But it's something wasn't sitting with me. So I thought, what what about adversity? This word came to me. It was like, I don't know. There was this play of it. I thought, what if I talked about my story? And what if I had other people talk about theirs? And I thought, what would that, that would be really great because then the mar- in marketing people would kind of learn about me. I could kind of really be transparent. People, I don't have to like pretend I'm somebody else. I can just be like, this is me. You can learn about me. There's no hiding. There's just, this is my mm-hmm. story. And when you do something that is aligned with your purpose, things just flow. And a lot so of things... True. A lot of things didn't flow for me in my life. It was always this resistance and that just took off for me. I was getting connected to people and I was like on this this path and the podcast was just natural for me. I took the skill that I had from being in the bars and connecting mm. with people and like breaking down barriers. But instead of it being a toxic environment, I was allowed, I was able to like take my, it's a gift I believe that I have. And I, I'm okay to say that because I didn't get a lot in my life. So I feel like communicating and connecting with people is something that I'm really, I was able to pick up. And it's been an, an amazing process to see and having the ability to connect with people like yourself, people that are so intelligent, so successful, and I can pick their brains and hear their stories. And most importantly, share those with other people and then get feedback from people saying, oh, wow, that changed my life. Like, I can't thank you so much. This is so... like, And the feedback I get is the most fulfilling thing ever. Yeah. And that's the reason, right? Like it's... Yeah. Well, I also think that for me, like, I just love people too. And I want... Part of the podcast for me is a selfish thing that I want to I want to pick great minds yeah. like you said like yeah. I want to have deep discussions I always say that if you were sat you know if I met you for the first time you sat next to me at dinner I wouldn't want to talk about the weather I'd want to no. know like I'd want to know your adversity I'd want to know what makes you tick and I think there is something podcasting gives people the listeners it gives us like an opportunity to just really be human mm. which is why I love like your podcast is that we need to be human in a time when we're all comparing ourselves to each other's highlight reels, we're not, we need people to stand up and be like, here's my messy self. And this is how I'm managing my mess, the messy version of me. It's so true. It's, it is the messiness and that, that creates freedom, the freedom that we need to, as humans. And then it allows people to realize that they're not alone. And I think a lot of people that think they're going through a struggle or challenge that they're alone, which creates anxiety and depression. And it's like, hey, you know what? I don't even... Like none of us have it figured out. No. We're just on a, a part of the journey yep. where we've learned enough lessons that brought us here. Yeah. Like, and that's okay. And anybody that acts like they have it all figured out is lying because like, it's just... It's the game of life. Like we were saying earlier, it's like, it's, it's a chess match. Of, like life is just figuring out, you know, do you, do you zig when you got a zag? Like up and down. And I think embracing it for what it is, is just so important, right? And yeah. that's that's the thing that I've really learned is the growth along the way of being able to connect with people. And you're right, selfishly, I love it. I love connecting with people. Like I get high from these conversations. Agreed. So it's like, 
I want more of that. So that's like me saying, okay, I need to do more of that. I mean, I'm on my path. People ask, well, how do I know if I'm on my path? Well, how does it make you feel? Yes. Does it light you up? Yes. Pay attention to that, right? I tell this to my kids all the time. I got a 20 and an 18 year old and I'm like, you, the world needs you to be lit up about what you do. The world doesn't need you to be another miserable person. They don't need you to be unhappy. They need you to find a path that lights you up and just keep doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think... I I was thinking as you were talking, a lot of the people I've interviewed, they will say that they were like in some kind of structure, like an athlete who was like on a course or uh, we've had a lot of doctors on this who were like uh, like one path or where they thought school was going to be the end all be all. They thought sports was going to be, they thought the profession and seems like the common thread of all of these people is they had a painful moment. And my podcast isn't even about adversity. They had a painful moment that woke them up and they all of a sudden decided like, oh, I'm not doing what I love. And they start to turn and they start to ask themselves, okay, what do I love? And they start to see. Like, do you think that we have to find our purpose in life? We have to have those moments that just kind of shake us like you did with your brother? Well, I, I think so in a way. Because I feel like if we're doing things that we don't want to do, then we attract the wrong people. And which I think that has a big, big part of why people are depressed. Mm. Because people are doing things they don't want to do. Right. I hope that people don't have to go through, you know, hard times. But yeah, I think purpose and just finding what just makes you feel good, you know, like the simplest form. It's like, it's like eating too. It's like, well, what makes you feel bad and what makes you feel good for long, the, the day, you know, and pay attention to that. Yeah. I really think it's the simplest thing. It's like the people you're around, do they suck the life out of you? Well, maybe hang around them less. The things that we do, the, ha- the things like, how does it make us feel? Yes. And I think paying attention to that is how we develop our purpose too. Is like each thing, each job. I interviewed somebody earlier and she brought this up and I thought this was really valuable. It's like, go through all your past jobs and past things and really get clear on what, would it, what did I like about that, that job? You know, what are the good things, the bad things? And have a list. And then, and then you can really lead up to where you are now and because there's a reason you're on the path that you're on. And a lot of the reasons is there was some positive things that led you along the way. And that's kind of how you unpack. Because it's I don't think anybody really knows their purpose right away. If some people do, that's great. But for me, I had no idea. But it wasn't until I started like messing around with different things and kind of like gauging on how I feel, which has led me to actually pay attention to the things that I enjoy. And I just think purpose itself is it's a it's a long game i feel like it's it's like you you can develop it further too and then you can also shift you know there's like breadcrumbs and you know you, mm. you don't have to be the same get so fixed on the outcome that we feel that it can never it can never pivot and right. i think that's important as well super to, important but just pay attention to those things and you know and 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 i think that can really shape us for the purpose that we're looking to to, to find Yeah. I had when my kids were little, we had a lot, we were part of a school where they would bring in parent educators all the time. And this one author and like this, I can't even remember her name now, but she was like a well-respected parenting authority. She came in and talked about something called fritters. She said, if you do something with your kids 
or you put them in front of the TV, or there's some parenting moment where when you leave, you feel worse than before the moment. That's what I would call a fritter. And that it's like pecking away at your life. It's like frittering your life away. You're not, you're not using that time as inspiration or as constructively to raise this human being. Mm-hmm. So you need to start looking at how you feel after you do the thing. So like when you put your kid in front of the TV... Do you feel better when you come back an hour later? And like, or do you, is your kid wound up and now you got to take them out and run them? So the, the conversation got me thinking about everything that I do in my life. Do I, how do I feel after I leave it? If I don't feel good, conversations. I mean, we see this and I want to talk a little bit about the differences between the way men and women handle adversity because I can tell you one of the things that women do that drives me crazy and I'm now very... I'm very clear to move away from it is we bitch about everybody together and we form bonds. We bitch about our spouse. We bitch about other people. And when I started to get this concept of frittering, I realized, God, when I leave those conversations where we were bitching about somebody who wasn't behaving right, I feel worse. I don't want to do that anymore. And I started to unwind myself from these toxic situations. Have you noticed that in your life? And do you notice that men and women handle adversity differently? Well, yeah. And I want to just touch on that point too. I was like, those are things that we as humans should pay attention to more, you know? And I think people don't pay attention to those too because so many people are, you know, even numbing out and they don't know like the feeling of like what's actually making them feel good or bad because like, you know, it's sugar or alcohol or, you know, medication. And it's like, we don't feel it enough. And I think that being able to feel in that moment to be like, oh, this isn't actually serving me. But most people won't even go there. And because of the reason that they don't even know what it's like to feel themselves, to Mm. sit in that and actually feel. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, it's just such, it's the norm. I feel like, and, and, yeah, it's it's such a strange thing. As far as women and men with adversity, you know, it's it's yeah, it's interesting. I'm just I really the thing that's coming to me is the main thing. Like I said earlier, is I feel that everybody that's gone through it, if they can really look at it from an empowered perspective, that is what I feel like has been the main theme. Is that just the acceptance of how they go through it? Is that it's essential. Mm-hmm. It's essential, and it's just acceptance in the for the present moment, to, and to not be a victim to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because if we know that what's going, what the the challenge, that's going to if we know that it's going to serve us long term, then we almost want to step into that. Right? Wouldn't we greet it? Wouldn't we? Why don't? And why aren't we like this? Why aren't we like? Oh my God, this situation sucks. I'm going to learn so much from it. <laughs> well, there's there's great there's people out there that seek it, right? They seek it like the David Goggins of the world. Yeah, right. They seek this stuff. Yeah, like but I haven't I think, gotten to that level you yet. No, and, and like that's <laughs> too extreme for me. But I think there's a balance of the David Goggins and you know the very the the opposite side of the spectrum. But I really think like it's just getting clear with like what is actual what is adversity. You know, it's it's a gift because. We can't get better without it. Mm-hmm. And as much as a, a man, the men and women, I, I, I would feel like, yeah, it's just really kind of the same. You know, just being empowered, 
playing the victim doesn't get us anywhere. No. And we see it in the world today. It's like, it's craziness. You know, everyone's yeah. entitled and it's crazy. Yeah. That one thing I've, that helped me too, is I looked at that, okay, if I have a negative situation, there's almost like an energy to it. So if I take that energy and now I talk about it and I talk about it to one friend and then I talk about it to 10 friends and now I, I elaborate on it, each time I'm going to talk about the adverse situa- situation, I'm actually giving it more power. Yeah. And for women, sometimes I think we have to talk it through. But I think there's a limit to it where now you've got to move in for the way I look at it, you've got to move into solution mode. Because if you keep talking about it, it now becomes your story. And if you don't move beyond your story, now it's your baggage. And you don't even see that it's holding you back. You're just stuck in the energy of something that maybe was an adverse situation years ago. You're still stuck in that moment. And we've got to have tool sets to pull us out. So like, let's go back to the moment that your brother killed himself. How old were you at that point? What time? It's 2020 now. I'm 37. But four years ago now. So what? 33, I believe. Yeah, 33. So how old was he? 18. 18. Oh, yeah. Wow. So in that moment, it's was it like... One, you heard about his death and then you changed the next day? Or was what was that process like where you were like, I'm not in, I'm frittering my life away. I'm not living my purpose. It's a great question. So I, I was at work. I got the news. This was something that I never thought would happen. It's something you see in the movies, right? Like it's not something you think that would never happen. It's like a conversation when these things happen to us. It's like, it's, it's a shocking, it's, it's crazy. And I like, I don't know. Like I was in shock and I didn't really know what to think. I went down a pretty, pretty deep spiral that year in 2016. I was, in, I was running bars in Sydney, Australia. Mm. Like surprised I'm alive. The, some of the parting we did, like it's, mm. it's crazy. And I was just, I didn't really care. I was just lost. And I didn't know how to process my feelings really. You know, I was just, just like a lot of people just kind of medicating with booze and, you know, part of me is still disappointed about not making it in sports. I thought my life was like, mm. I thought I was going to be just a nobody. Like, these are the conversations. So I'm like, what's the big deal just to just keep doing this, right? And not to say that's not a great career if you're serious about it. But for me, it just wasn't. So if that rest of the year was was pretty was pretty downward spiral. But it wasn't until 2017, the January is when I decided to quit alcohol for a year. People ask me, what was the what was the turning point in your life? That year sober, I ran a bar sober. I was working for the Four Seasons. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. Mm. Like working in that environment, not drinking. Oh, I yeah. spit out whiskey. I made a cocktail list. My creativity was amazing, but I could not drink. And mm. that was... I felt like after that, I could do anything. I was like, I could literally I do anything. So that... My whole brain changed that year. I started to do all the things. Reading the books. I remember Tools of the Titans, Tim Ferriss. Mm-hmm. was this book that was very close to me. Tony Robbins, Awake the Giant Within, Power of Now. These books really had like an impact. And I just started doing the things that I was told by successful people to do. And that just shifted my entire perspective mm-hmm. on my it's life. so true. Yep. Yeah. I think there's so we have so much access to great information now. Mm-hmm. 
that you can brainwash yourself with information from Tim Ferriss and Tony Robbins, or you can brainwash yourself with media and social media, and you get to decide which one do you want to be brainwashed with, and, yeah. right? Like totally. you decide. Have you seen so? Have you seen Social Dilemma? Oh yeah! Wow, what a what a eye opener! What have we created? Yeah. It's I know. crazy. I know. Like, it, it's, like, it's scary. It's super scary. Yeah. And here in America, it's even scarier. You know, it's really... And I, this is why one of the things that I stand for on my podcast is getting people to think for themselves. Because every time after Social Dilemma, I really saw this, that every time you go and look at your phone, you're getting brainwashed based off of what they want you to buy, how they want you to think. And so you have to be protective of this thing. And you have to be protective of your mind and what you're going to allow in there. And one of the things that happened to me in the pandemic was when we first went into quarantine, I had all these speaking engagements set up. We had travel, like things were like, I just written my third book, like things were really starting to to flow. And I kind of had a little temper tantrum of like, what, what, this isn't what I wanted 2020 to look like. I had a totally different vision for 2020. <laughs> and then I saw somebody's post on... So this was a positive way social media has worked. And somebody said, I can't wait to meet the person I will be on the other side of this pandemic. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> That's so good. And it was like a moment where I'm like, I have a choice right now to throw a tantrum or I have a choice to build myself into the person I want to be six months from now. And so I got in this habit of doing puzzles and podcasts. Whenever I wasn't at work, I would come home, I would do a puzzle and I'd put a different podcast on. And I would just sit and do puzzles and listen to positive thinking. And what ended up happening to me is as the pandemic has gone on, more and more incredible things have happened this year that would have never happened if this pandemic hadn't hit. Uh, yes, so true. Like that's, I love that. Yeah, that's a choice though, right? Like what a, what a powerful choice to decide to do puzzles and listen to podcasts rather than just fall down the rabbit hole of just complete bullshit on the news. Yeah. Like it's, it's crazy. And yeah, I'm going to do that now. You just gave me like... <laughs> it's like, and so it, it hit me like it's been... And this year has really helped me see like, you can brainwash yourself however you choose. Yeah. The, the crazy part about today's world is if we go asleep, if we choose to not make a choice, then... And you're on social media, the social media will make a choice for you. Oh, uh, yeah. And you know, you know what I find too is... What is the, one of the number one things that gets me is whether or not I look at my phone before I do what I need to do in the morning. You mm. know, I have tested it. If I get up and don't look at my phone and I do, you know, I read, I do some meditation, I do some writing, and then I turn my phone on, I become in the driver of, of the car. I'm not the passenger, right? And I'm not in responsive mode all day. And I find my focus is 10 times greater than if I get up, immediately turn on my phone, and then I'm in reactive mode all yep. day. And it's crazy. That little subtle thing is yep. so important, but we don't realize it because we think, oh, it's just a phone, big deal. What it's doing in our brain and what they talk about in that, in that, in that movie is just like how the program, we don't know what's going on. This is like high level, intelligent 
stuff, manipulation yeah. that we don't even know even 10 years from now. Social media is still really new. Like, yeah. you know, like it's, it's crazy. Yeah. And, and, and even like for myself, I have to monitor what I watch too. And now I'm, I, I have Gaia and I watch like Joe Dispenza stuff. Yeah. You could, yep. I turn it on and I'm like, I have to watch. If I watch YouTube, it's always going to be, I love podcasts on YouTube. I love watching them or I love, you know, like Gaia where it's like, what can I like? I want to. I want to plant some seeds before I go to bed because I know the subconscious mm. how it works, and I want to watch like Bruce Lipton or Joe Dispenza because that stuff is interesting. Rather than like last night, I found myself watching the debate, and then I had to go watch Joe Dispenza after because oh, that like, was a good I, idea. <laughs> I need to like. I need to rewash my. Yeah. I don't want that crap sitting there. But right. that's the mindful choices that we have to have. Oh, I that love we that. Have a choice. That yeah. we have a choice whether like what do you want to watch like. What do you want the movie to be playing in your brain, your dreams and all that? Like, do you want, do you want stuff to, do, you know, that's a choice. Do you want to plant seeds or do you want to just like, you know, dig out the garden and put in crap? You know, like it's, I don't uh, know. Gosh, is it Joe that says this? I, can't, I think Joe Dispenza might say this where it's it when we're heading into bed and when we're waking up is where our brain waves are in our most subconscious pattern. So yeah. one of the things that I decided after writing my last book is that the next book I write is going to be done only in the morning when I first wake up so that I can get the instant that be in not a fully awake state and tap into something that is more intrinsic inside of me and not so much all my educated brain. And I had never thought about that. Like, what do you do before you go to bed? How are you? What are you listening to as you're going into that state? Because that's what's getting programmed into the brain. That's super smart, super smart. And what do you think about the, this victim idea? Because again, I want to like give my resetters some tools here. On, and I love this. If you guys are listening to this, please think about your early morning and bedtime routine. But when we're stuck in victim, that's the hardest thing for me to watch people go through. And even last night when I went to Facebook after the debate, it fascinated me. <laughs> it was like all the friends that supported Biden were like, oh my God, he's a bully. Trump's a bully, blah, blah. And all the people that supported Trump were like, the moderator was the problem. To me, yeah. <laughs> your thinking is the problem right now that we would point fingers at outside of us. How do we move from victim mentality into a place where we drive our own thoughts and our own outcomes? Such an awesome question. And the first thing that comes to me is gratitude. Mm -hmm. When I'm feeling like a victim or what I don't have, like I don't do this all the time... <laughs> But when, I tr when I'm conscious of it, I go into what do I have, right? Mm. You can't... Those, those two... You, they can't live in the same space. Victim mm. and empowerment. It's like, if you're grateful for what you have and you're conscious about it, even writing it out, just you know, journaling it, that shifts me a lot. Mm. Yep. Because if we're constantly being a victim, it just means we're coming from a place of lack. Yeah. What don't I have? Where? What don't I do? What haven't I accomplished? Or what? But if you can look at you know the positives of what you do have, then immediately it's you you shift your framework. And I think the simplest thing is for people as a as a tool, just get real clear and curious. Like, why am I thinking this? 
what am I focusing on and really go back and like, what do I have? What is working? You know, and, and the minute you start to do that, and this is powerful stuff that, you know, Bruce Lipton and Joe Spenza talk right. about as well. And this is where I've learned it from. It's like, you get more of what you focus on. You focus yeah. on all the things that you have, then more of that will come. But if you keep focusing on the, the lack and what you don't have and the trumps and this and that and everything outside yourself, you're just going to breed more of that. So yep. it's really just going in. We have everything we need. So just be super grateful for what you have. Yeah. It, that's the simplest thing I can think of. Have you ever had a moment where you're like, I can't find anything that I'm grateful for? Oh, yeah. I mean, but I've, I've learned to pearl shift that because I come from a very a negative family growing up. It was always... It was just such a negative fear base. It's not their fault. Like, it's just the conditioning. So I've, I've really learned how to shift that. I've worked so hard to ingrain that into my brain now that I see it naturally happening. When I do, I try and make the switch. I try and see the bright side of things. And I really think that's a thing too. Just look at the bright side. Look at people. Look at them and just, you know, like what do you see good about them? You know, there's always something you can see. Yes. And I think if you can see the good in people, even though they're, you may, on paper, they may be scumbags, or whatever, try your best to just look at a positive of the situation, right? Yes. And I think if the more we can do that, you know, looking at the glass, I know the saying half full instead of half empty. I think it's true. It's like, if you do that consistently throughout the day, you see these people that are very successful and that's the conversations they have. They're always like, oh yeah, well, whatever. It yeah. happened. And even in the podcast, you, adversity, it's like, oh, it happened. What am I going to do? Let's just fix it. And I think that attitude is what's going to allow you to grow more. into, into yeah. A, you know. So yeah, really having that clarity gets you out of that victim mentality for sure. Hey, Resetters, as we step into the new year, I am so thrilled to invite you on an extremely transformative journey with me in my Reset Academy. So check this out. If you're ready to kickstart your fasting and health journey, which I know so many of you have reached out to us and asked how you customize a fasting lifestyle for you, my Reset Academy is the absolute best place to be. So here's what you get in the academy, and I like to think of it in terms of a complete picture. So imagine being surrounded by people who understand your journey, who are passionate for fasting, who want to lift you up and will support you every step of the way. My academy is not just me, my team, but it is an incredible group of people that are all dedicated to building fasting lifestyles and supporting each other in it. This is why I created the Reset Academy. So when you join, you gain access to all the exclusive calls where my team and I share the latest insights, we answer your burning questions, and we guide you towards your health goals. That's not it. We didn't stop there. By becoming a member, you're not just investing in a membership, but you're investing in yourself. I am such a fan of setting you up to win this year. And my academy is the best place I know to do that. I want to keep you focused. I want you to customize this for you. And I want you to succeed at your health goals this year. End of story. So if you're ready to unlock your fullest potential and embrace a fasting lifestyle, join me. If it feels good, join me. And let's make this year an incredible year for us all. So all you got to do is go visit drmindypels.com slash Reset Academy to become a member. 
I can't wait to welcome you. I can't wait to see you on the Zoom calls. I can't wait to be in community with you. And most importantly, let's get your health goals handled and let's do this together. It's so much better together. Together. So that's drmindypels.com slash Reset Academy. Excited to see you there. Yeah, I would agree. I had a conversation with a colleague this week who called me for some health advice. And she was so positive. Her tone was really positive. You you couldn't tell. I was kind of like, why is she calling me? Like, what is it she wants? And she goes, well, I need some health advice, but let me kind of just tell you what's happened to me. And she launches into this horrific story of the birth of her child and how she now doesn't have bladder control and bowel control because of this. And like, I'm like, oh my God, like I'm sitting there and she goes, but that's not the why I called you. I need you to help me figure out how to, to move into a place where my body will heal. It's like she did not want to dwell on this horrible story. I even found myself wanting to be like, but what about this? And what about that? I was so impressed. I walked away and I was like, this woman's going to heal because she was more committed to the solution than she was to the story. And I think that's the problem when people get stuck is they're not committed to the solution. They're still married and committed to the story. Yeah, that's so true because it's so easy to you identify with that story and then you never allow yourself to grow. And it's it, people get attached to that. Right. And it's great to, like, even for myself, the person that was in that situation before with all the stuff I went through, that's great for a story, but I am not that person anymore. Right. And I have learned that telling the story is different, but you need to understand that you can't. We're not, we can't hold on to that story as our identity forever. Yep. Right. And that's what growth is. And I think people, you're right, people just want to hold on to that and they're not even willing, which holding on to that basically cuts them off from anything new coming into their life now. You know, you got to let stuff go to allow new stuff to come in. Oh, that's a great way to look at it. You can't, you can't have the solution and the story at the same time. You got to let go of the story to bring in the solution. Or even just, yeah, like having a story as like just somewhere that something to learn from, but you don't identify with it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. How many interviews have you done on your podcast now? Almost, what, 257. Oh my gosh. Okay, yeah. what have you what's the most interesting <laughs> one? Like what have you learned from interviewing 257 people on adversity? <laughs> oh, what have I learned? Oh man, I've gone through so many different <laughs> You know, it's crazy because I've talked with so many people like yourself, doctors and health professionals and and athletes, just so many different things. And is there a common thread through 257? Yeah, I would say that we are all so similar. Everybody's all so similar. We're all on the journey. People are just further ahead and have been willing to believe in themselves to get to where they are, no matter what the circumstances. Mm. These people, these celebrity-like figures, you know, we we uh, people idolize them, but when you get them off the pedestal, they're all human. We're mm. all human. There's just a certain amount of belief that it takes to get to that spot. And there's going to be a lot of adversity that you face to get there. So I admire the people that are there because I know that they've had to go through a lot. Yep. But 
a lot of people have also realized that they are not willing to believe in themselves enough to get to that spot. Mm. A lot of people I see in our in our society, and it's not their fault, but it's like they don't believe in themselves. They they lack the belief. And I think the people that I've been able to talk to have understood the power of the belief and the power of rolling with the punches is just part of it. It's just mm. part of the journey. I mean, it's not easy. I mean, becoming a doctor, like, look, I look at that. I'm like, that must have been such an incredible journey to go through. Like, it's, yeah. there's so many things. And I think, but that takes a certain amount of belief to get through that. And that's kind of what I take away is that anybody that's successful has A, gone through adversity, but B, has had continual belief in themselves that everything will work out and that you know, where they want to go, they don't also don't get too attached to the outcome. Oh, yeah. And they're willing to pivot when they need to pivot. And I think that has been a powerful lesson also. Do you think there's luck involved in being successful? Yeah, that's a good question too. I, I try to un- unpack what luck is. And, you know, it's, I think it's just really when your intuition lines up with, it's like the moment, you know, it's like mm. where, yeah, it's just such, such a crazy thing. I think it has a lot to do with just trusting your gut. And I think sometimes when we trust our gut, it feels like luck. Mm. But I just think it's alignment. Oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I've had some opportunity this year to get to know some pretty high profile people. And my takeaway has been that there was something that, that, that the secret sauce is exactly what you said. They would believe in themselves. They're tenacious. So they don't, they get beat up all the time, but they just, they're, they're so focused on how they want to show up in the world, what they want to accomplish, that it's almost like adversity doesn't even hit them. It's like they kind of just like like yeah. brush it off because they're like, wait, I was I was doing this thing and this obstacle came in the way. And so I just dealt with the obstacle and then I kept doing keep keep doing the thing. And then there seems to be a moment of opportunity or a luck or something that just all of a sudden takes them to a new level. So I haven't really been able to put my finger on like what luck is. But I like the way you say that. Like it is like sort of intuition connecting with, you know, they always say luck is oper- what, opportunity. Meeting. It's preparation. Or yeah. Something. Is that what they say? Yeah. 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 It's kind of like that. But it also is that there was a focus. And, and when we look at like people who go to fasting or they come to the keto diet, if they aren't clear on what they want to be and who they want, how they want their health to go, then they will fall as they try to create new habits. I see that as well, especially with my fitness journey. You know, I worked with Dr. Nick Jensen and, and Sonia, and I remember him telling me about five day water fasts. And I was like, how do you guys do this? Like, I don't understand it. And then he just, he, 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 you know, I had Dr. Pompa on the show too. We didn't talk about that, but you know, it was really cool to like, to talk to these, you know, people that are able to do this stuff. And I just, it was become more of like your why, your purpose. It becomes like this spiritual thing, this deeper rooted thing. Like if you can go through that fast, it's not mm. just about that, what you're going through in the moment. You might have said this too, but it's like, it's a really, it's a, it's a deep why to why you're doing it. Like what are your, if you just do it for the sake of doing it, you're probably not going to get through. And yep. keto and all that stuff, it's hard because our society isn't set up for these diets and carnivore and stuff. So you got to plan and you got to be super committed because 
You know, everybody wants to come and take you out for dinner or go for yep. a drink or this or that. Dally's birthday or this or that. It's like, if you don't have that deep-rooted why, you're going to fall off. And I've done it. I've experienced it. I, I'm like, Me I too. didn't get clear enough. I'm yep. like, I didn't want it bad enough. I tried carnivore for two weeks and I was bored. But then, yep. you know, it's, it's crazy how, how you, when you mentioned that, how important that is with diet and anything is to get super clear on your why. And when you doubt yourself, go back. Mm-hmm. Kind of revisit. Well, why did I do this in the first place? And then, you know, you can, it kind of gives you that confirmation. Yeah. And I think if, again, if you allow those moments of discomfort, if you add in the focus, you add in the gratitude, you add in some pr- ritual practices, that's where you're starting to move yourself in a positive direction, you know, you're n- and you don't even realize it is that you're just moving your life forward as opposed to the opposite. And I've been there yeah. where you're in a bad place and you just want to talk about the bad place and talk about it and talk about it and keep the energy of it going. And I just have very now at 50 years old, I've really clear that those two things can't exist. One of the things that kicked me out of the five-day water fast barrier was Dr. Pompa's son. So I watched him preach fasting and I was like, okay, that's great. I can intermittent fast. I can 24-hour fast, but I am not doing a five-day water fast. And all of my limiting beliefs came up. I don't need to do one. That's for people who have cancer. Like I don't, I could never do one. Why would I want to do one? <laughs> like yeah. all the limiting beliefs came up. And then I sat next to Dr. Pompa's son, who was 12 years old, and on the third day of a water fast. And he literally sat at a dinner table with all of us while we ate. And he sat there moaning. And his dad just put his arm around him and was like, you're, you got this, you're doing great. And he got up from the table and I looked at Dr. Pump and I was like, I can't believe you're letting your son do this. And he goes, no, he wanted to do it. He was really stuck in a bad eating habit. So he asked if I would help support him through it. And I came home from that experience and I said, if a 12-year-old could do it, I can do it. Like all my limiting beliefs went away. And I was like, nope, those are just things holding me back. And I just completely changed. And then a week later, I did a five-day water fast. It's amazing. It's like, I just, it fascinates me how food becomes this this comfort zone thing. Like I I noticed it and I've struggled with it. It's like, as soon as eight o'clock comes, I turn into this little baby and I'm like, I earned this food. I want to relax. It's like, what? It's like I could fast all day. And then for some reason in the evening, I'm like, give me the fruit, give me the cheese. And I'm like, and it's it's crazy. And I, I just, I admire anybody that can really stick to these things. And it's the food is such a test because if you can go that time without food, there's so many things you can do. And you're right. Oh, it's like yeah. a complete reset. And I still haven't done it. I think I've done two days at the most. Because then that voice inside my head is like, well, you don't need to do this. Right. You yeah. Your, this your limiting beliefs come up. <laughs> and I think, again, back, if you look at successful people, they acknowledge the limiting beliefs and they move past them. So yeah. like you can have those thoughts. You could still want your fruit at night and you could go to bed and not eat. Like those two things can exist at the same time. You don't have to buy into them. And I think that's the hardest part about the mind is trying to remind ourselves that we don't have to believe everything we think. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like I have everything. I don't need this thing to give me comfort. Yeah. 
Like I have it. I can go to sleep now and be fine. It's it's like, but these are the little these are the little things, these battles that we all have with ourselves, right? Right. For me, like yeah, going through the day without eating is a piece of cake. Yeah. But it's funny I use piece of cake, but it's true. It's so easy. Yeah. yeah. And at night, it's like it's 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 a different story. Totally different. Night, yeah. night is just like it's. But this is the dance. This is this is figuring it's the it out. Dance. It's the seeking discomfort. So yeah. let's do this. When this podcast will air, it is perfectly timed the week before the election here in America. And there is going to be massive adversity. Doesn't matter who wins. We are in for a real, a real wild ride here in our country. Let's create a toolbox because... One of the things that I've decided as this year has gone on is that I need tools to help me when adversity shows up. So you talked about gratitude being a toolbox. Uh, You talked about what you're watching before you go to bed. What are some of the other tools that we can give people that will help change their state and help move them out of those moments of discomfort or adversity, especially the ones we can't seem to control, like politics? Yeah, I I really believe that Taking control of your morning is super important. And again, this I'll go back to what we said. Starting in the evening, your evening routine dictates your morning routine. And that's what I've learned. Because what you're doing in the evening is just, you know, filtering in into the morning. So stopping watching TV before bed a certain amount of hours, getting off your devices, the stuff that we're all talking about, don't eat before bed. This has helped me wake up and feel better. That so if I've done those things and I sleep better, then that means when I wake up and all the things are hitting the fan and there's all this negative energy, I'm at least ready to take on the day and I'm feeling better. And from there, I want to have those little wins. You know, I want to get up. I want to do the things. I want to journal. I want to read. I want to move my body. I want to get some sort of cold exposure, some sort of exercise. And then I want to turn on my phone after I've done the things. Because then it's like, I'm ready to take on Mm, the world. I'm ready. I've done the things I need to do. I've changed my physiology. You know, I've programmed my mind. I've moved. I've sweat. I've whatever you need to do to feel great in the morning and focused. And I know this is a thing. Do what you need to do. Try things out before you turn on your phone. And then no matter what comes at you, you're going to be able to look at it differently. And I think that's really important with with everybody is that there's not one there's not one thing that's going to, you know, make you get through the stuff. It's just your perspective and our perspective is all going to be based on how we're feeling and that starts with all the things, moving our bodies, changing our state. It's just like if you eat McDonald's versus if you eat healthy, an hour or two hours later you're going to look at the same situation differently. If you put crap in your body, you're going to look at it from a different set of eyes than if you did and you had something healthy. So that's the same thing in your morning. Be ruthless with setting yourself up in the morning before you turn on your phone. And then I really believe that the rest of the day will just... You'll be fine. But if you don't take that time to really be clear with what makes you feel good before, then you're just going to be chasing yourself all day and just become victim mode a lot easier than you would be. I had this vision as you were talking is like, imagine if everybody did that. Like they just in the morning, like gave to themselves, filled themselves up 
and then they moved out into the world. One of the things that we're seeing right now is people are so reactionary. Yeah. It's like they go to their phone and they see some argument. And I barely make any comments on my personal Facebook anymore because the minute I say anything about anything, I get you know four people that love it and two people that tell me I'm stupid. And it's like, okay, I, I was just posting something I thought was cool. And I've got all these reactions. So we've become so reactionary right mm-hmm. now in this world. And it's part of the way the stress brain works. So I had this vision as you were talking, like, how cool would that be right now if everybody took an hour every morning and just filled themselves up? Would we stop the reactions? And if you stop the reactions with one person, would then you would stop the ripple effect? And could we calm everybody down just by them taking that one hour to spend on themselves? Yeah. And again, I really think it's because everybody looks at their phone right, right away. We're overreactive now as, as, as human beings is because we jump onto our phones right away. I really right. believe that's the thing. Yeah, I agree. Like we are all programmed to just jump, 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 react, 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 because we don't take the time to program and allow ourselves to get set. And there's too many keyboard warriors out there who, who are seeking outside of themselves rather than focusing on the change they can make in, the conversations that they're having. Unfortunately, I mean, that all starts with us. And however you decide to program your morning, is kind of the the dance of life is like, well, what works best for you? What works best for me doesn't necessarily mean, but isn't going to work for you. But you really need to be responsible to try these things. Mm. Figure out what what makes you feel good to take on the day and then do more of that, right? It's really, it's just being, paying attention to that. And for me, like I'm still figuring it out because I try and model other people's routines sometimes. And I'm like, wait a minute, that doesn't make me feel that great. So maybe I'll try a little of this, a little of that, and kind of make your own thing. Yep. And hear your own voice. I, I, that was, that's the other thing that's been clear to me this year is like, just go within and hear your own voice. Because if you don't hear your own voice, you will take on the voices of everybody around you. And then you got to be clear who's, who's getting in there. <laughs> so you get to decide. That's so true. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. What'd you say? 237 interviews. 57. 57, 257. <laughs> uh, not that you're counting. <laughs> well, no, no, no. The reason I did that is because I, I just did a post on my episode today. That's why. And by when the time this comes out, we'll be further ahead. But yeah, yeah I just remember that of moment. course. I love it. Okay. what? Who's the most interesting conversation outside of me that you've ever had? <laughs> I would have to say one that really stands out to me. His name's Theo Fleury. He was a Stanley Cup champion, Olympic gold medalist, you know, me being a hockey player. He went, he was sexually abused as a kid. He went, he was a drug, alcohol, and he, massive, massive problem. He wrote a book, Playing with Fire. And he was one of these guys that I really idolized as a hockey player. He was on, he was a rival, he grew, he was on a rivalry team that I hated growing up, but I respected him. And his story and how he opened up about his abuse and about, all of that stuff and how I was able to connect with him on the show was just something that I'll remember forever because I I was so prepared and I was so nervous. And when it flowed like it did, I was just, I was like, wow, this was just, it went perfectly. Mm-hmm. I was just like, there could have not have been a more flow state thing. And I was nervous because I thought maybe it would be a challenging conversation, but it wasn't. And that just learning about and hearing, and I highly recommend anybody that wants to hear a deep story like go check out that episode because this guy has been through so much 
it was it was just so it's crazy. And that one really stands out as probably my my favorite, the one that I got the most out of. Do you know the number of it? What episode number? Oh, I'll have to go. We'll link it. Tell us and we'll link it in the in the notes because I was thinking that, you know, when you're when we're feeling up against a wall, it could be really cool to go to your podcast and start to tap into some of these stories. Because there is a tendency to feel alone when you're up but when you're in adversity. And I think that would be really cool, like using your podcast as a way of like inspiring yourself because knowing that other people went through that. Oh, I, I I love it. Thank you. And I I think that's why it's pretty special is because I do interview people from all walks of life. Like it's really crazy because I feel there's something there for everybody. There's somebody that they can relate with. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not overly masculine, it's not overly feminine. It's kind of, you know, I've always looked up to people like Lewis Howes and, and Impact Theory, Tom Bilio. So I've always I've had that vision of like, I want to have that. And provide that container for people to come. And then when they're feeling they're in that position, going through adversity, there's somebody that's been through something like that or worse mm-hmm. and make you just think a little bit different. And that can make a huge difference in someone. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Let's finish up with this. I have, I always finish with five questions and yes. we have, we have customized them for you. Okay. Who do you look to for mindset? And personal development. You talked about Joe Dispenza. You talked about Bruce Lipton. But like, who's your go-to when you're needing to fill your brain up with positive thoughts? Okay, so I'm part of Aubrey Marcus's Fit for Service Mastermind this year, and this guy is somebody that really I resonated with. Very spirit. I've really explored the spiritual side of of my myself, and something that I never really did, and. He has just allowed me to really open up my awareness to psychology, philosophy, a lot of really interesting stuff. And he's somebody that I always, I really respect. He's taught me a lot about self-love and like unconditional love of acceptance of people. So he's, he's been a huge impact in my life. And that's the first person that comes to me when I think What's about it. What's his name? Aubrey Marcus. Okay, we'll put a. Does he? How do? Does he have a he's got, book? Yeah, he's got a podcast. Okay. Aubrey Marcus podcast, and he's got a book called "Own the Day, Own Your Life." Awesome. Okay, so we'll link that in there for people. That's a new one. I ha- I haven't heard of that. He, he's the founder of Onnit. Okay. Onnit, so he did supplements and human human optimization. So. Awesome. Okay. Cool. That'll be a new one. I'll check it out. Okay. What interview did you have you had where somebody's telling their story of adversity and you're like, whoa, like totally like wowed you or like threw you off your center? You had no idea they were going to say that. I forget his name now. Pretty much, he he almost died like four times, and he's in a wheelchair. And I I was in tears when I heard him talking. I I just can't put a name on it. it was it was last year. I'll have to get back to you with that. And I highly encourage anybody that... It's hard because I interview three a week and I'm just trying to remember oh, his yeah, name. But I this bet. one was just freaking insane. I was like, how are you alive, man? Like, how are you alive? Four because times? He almost died four times. Yeah, it was nuts. Oh was my nuts. gosh. Yeah, it's tell like, us and we'll link it in there. Because again, those are like stories we all need to hear just yeah. to really help us understand that there's gratitude in our own peaceful little <laughs> lives. We, if we haven't died, almost died four times. Okay. What person are you dying to interview that you haven't interviewed yet? <sighs> that would have to be... I got to say Tony Robbins. 
I got to say my man, Tony, you know, he's, he helped me on the personal development journey. I went to his event, Unleash the Power Within. It was amazing. And he was kind of somebody that I idolize in the space. So yeah, I got to say Tony. What would you say to him? What would you, what would you want to ask him or, or, or I honestly think I would just have to be like, look, I just need to, I don't want to have any structure. I just want to talk to the guy because I, he asked so many of the same questions. I would literally just have to be like, I just want to talk to you. You know, yeah. I don't know what I would ask. I would have to feel off it, but I know because someone like that gets asked so much of the same stuff. I would really just want to like talk about things that he never talks about, you know, like yeah. human stuff. You know, like really, like this. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's it's. I want to know, like, I'd want to know, like, what does he, what does he do when yeah. he hits, when he hits a moment of failure? Yeah, who does he go to? <laughs> yeah, like how when you've hit the point of of when where he's at, how does he look at life? Yeah, like how does like you've made like maybe he has his own doubts, like he hasn't made it, but who do you compare yourself to when you've hit that? Right. Yeah, that's interesting. Who would you go like? How do you? You're at the height of of your space. Who do you look to of what you want to grow into? That's an interesting, interesting thought. What about Joe Dispenza? Oh yeah, yeah. He's yeah, or even Bruce Lipton. Yeah, I just the thing about Joe Dispenza is I feel like I would kind of want to learn more about his individual story, also like Mm. about how he deals with things because he obviously he teaches. You know, he tells about his story and his accident and how he does all this. But I feel like I really want to ask him stuff he doesn't get asked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like what's he going through now? But yeah, I would love, I would love to meet him because he's he's doing some work that is just insane. He he's somebody that I heard him on some it was either a video or a podcast, and he, somebody asked him, What do you do when you have a negative situation happen to you. And he said, well, I still react. I just get over the reaction quicker. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, okay, good. You're human. That helps me when I react to know that if I have something come at me, it's okay to have the reaction. It's how long you're going to stay in the reaction. Yeah. Because you have to feel the the moment too. But it's. I think the difference is, is how long people stay there versus... Feeling it, learning, and moving on. Right. That's the difference. And that's great to hear because I mean, I'm sure things happen to him too. And it's sometimes it's hardest to practice our own advice. Oh, yeah. Right. We can give it. I know. I just, I just did an interview with somebody. We were talking about kids' health. And she's like, well, let me just say, here's what I would do, but I don't have kids. And I, I laughed. I'm like, yeah, well, we, we all were great parents before we had children. So yeah. that's part of it. Okay. If you could go back to your younger self, and let's say your 19-year-old version of you and give him some advice about what the next decade was going to be for him. What advice would you give him? I would give him a big hug and just say, you're in for a treat. It's going to be challenging. But always go back to yourself and believe in whatever you do. Like you are powerful. Your belief is everything. Everything you need is within you. You don't understand that right now, but you will. And really, the thing I would say is just believe in everything you do, you know, and always respect people. I tell this, this is what I used to tell my bartenders that I used to teach. I said, when you meet somebody, have the idea of make them feel better than you did before. If you do that, if you do that in your relationships in life, it's the most important thing. 
I don't care how great of a cocktail you make. You could be the best bartender in the world, make the 10 out of 10 drink. But if you make somebody feel bad and you're a condescending prick, then they will never remember that drink. They'll, yep. You could make a 7 out of 10 drink, an average drink, but you could make them feel good. They are going to remember that. And they're, to them, that's going to be a 10 out of 10 experience. Yep. So really, like what that's what I would say is always remember that. Always remember to like be the light in people's lives. There's enough darkness. Look at leaving people better than they did before. And I, I think that. that's the key. I really believe I it. love that. I think you may have found the key. Agreed. Okay, <laughs> last last question. If you had one message, one thought you could implant into everybody's brain and really help people see, what would that message be? Trust your gut in what you're doing. Like really feel your intuition. Get still and understand what that is. And again, I'll, I'll say it is belief believe in yourself. You have to fully believe in what you're doing before you can expect anybody else to. And no matter what, if you believe that whatever you, th- you think is possible, it is. It is possible. You just ha- you have to believe in yourself fully. Do whatever it takes to get to that state. But you have to. And the longer you can live in that state, the more opportunity you're going to have. And I've seen it in my own life. I've been my own worst enemy. And I've seen that when I believe in myself, things happen. And that is really the thing is like, whatever you're going through, whatever you understand, understand that it's part of the process. But the, at the very least, always believe in what you're doing. Always believe. Love it. I love it. I have a good friend who wrote a book called Manifest That Miracle. In fact, you should. she's got a great story. You should bring her on your podcast. Yeah. I called her one day and I'm like, okay, I have this miracle I want to manifest tell me what I do. Give me the secret. And she said, well, there were two things. One, you have to be really grateful for what you already have. Like be really genuinely happy about what's shown up for you. And then the second thing is you have to be 100% in belief that the miracle is going to happen. Yeah. So she said, basically what you're saying, mixing gratitude with total certainty that you are capable of living this miraculous life. And when you combine those two things, that's when you see miracles in your life. Yeah. And what I found powerful too is like really, really like seeing yourself already having it. What does it feel like? What's the Mm -hmm. smells? Like, how do you feel like, you know, when you get something, you get those, the chills or you, you get yourself to the point where you're feeling it so clear that it's already happened. It's challenging, but this is why it's hard for people to manifest things. That's right. The better you get at that. And this is hard because everybody, you know, wants to think that it's craziness, but we're getting to the point now where science is catching up with all this stuff Agreed. and it's monitoring that your brain, your, your, you change as the way you think. So yeah, the, the, the clearer you can get, an, like uh, jo, uh, Joe Dispenza said, an elevated emotion with a clear intention. It's, I've been trying to say that in my own head so much. Yep. And, and, and really projecting yourself as to like, I already have that. I'm already successful. But bring on the, the, the abundance, you know? Right. Yep. And that's, that's it. It's hard to get to that place. But I think the, long, the, the more we can play in that arena, the more success that we're going to bring into our lives, whatever that looks like. Oh, I love it. Well, this was a delight. Thank you for letting me turn the tables on you. And thank you for what you're doing. I mean, I can't, I, I don't, I mean, I don't know all the podcasts out there, but what I do know is that 
there is a definite need for people to tell their adversity story and you have created that platform for people. And I think what really is so helpful for the world is to see everybody's messiness and then to see how they've overcome and you are doing an incredible job of that. So thank you for everything you're doing. Uh, I appreciate it so much. I'm truly grateful and thank you so much for the opportunity to come on here and chat. It was an absolute pleasure. Yeah, thank you. And we'll put all our links and how do people find you? Is there... Yeah, go for it. Well, one thing I just forgot, I wanted to say that an episode that just came to my head, that was a huge one, was Jack Canfield. Oh, yeah. Now that we're talking about this stuff, that was like a a game changer for me because he is just the kind of guy that he's exactly what you'd see. So just for anybody listening to us talk about this stuff, that's a podcast to listen to because... He's amazing. Anyways, so I've just lanceecos.com. By the time this comes out, I think our websites and stuff will be all back awesome. to normal. But lanceecos.com or just check out the podcast, University of Adversity. It's on all platforms, Apple, Spotify, and recently just launched it on YouTube, University of Adversity podcast on YouTube. And you're on there as well. So awesome. it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. And they can find out more about me and what I do and all that through the website. So Okay. Beautiful. Well, thank you, Lance. I'm so, so grateful for everything you're doing. And we'll talk soon. Thank, thank you so you much. Thank you so much. Okay, Resetters, I have to fill you in on a funny little behind the scenes story. So as many of you know, if you've been listening to this podcast, you've heard the pre and post with Jessica here on her thoughts about what's going on in the interview. So before this interview started, it was all on mindset. And I knew that Jessica wanted to, would love to chime in. So I said, Hey, just message me and I'll invite you into the conversation. So she messaged me several times throughout this conversation with Lance (laughs) and I completely ignored it. (laughs) So in this post... Post-mortem of this interview, I am going to pass the floor over to Jessica so she can now interject all of her thoughts. So many thoughts. Well, I guess we've we've many times said how we should probably tell people, the listeners why I'm even well, here are. in the yeah. summary or in the intro. <laughs> and for most of the heady conversations, I'm usually like sitting at the chat trying to trying to kind of get the perspective of what our listeners might be having. And so I'll message Dr. Mindy on like, hey, ask about this, ask about that. And then I have thoughts afterwards. When it comes to mindset, I have so many thoughts. And you and I geek out (laughs) on mindset all the time. I And I just had so many things I wanted to say. Oh, God. And I totally went silent. I had had my notes on him. We're covering the message part. So it's I feel okay. so bad. I feel like so you need to bad. invite him back just so you can answer. Okay, well, tell us what you want okay. to ask him. Well, my first thing I wanted to ask him when we were talking about, do we feel like people have to go through an adverse situation on purpose in order to be successful? And so I was brought back to our conversation with Naraj, where he had this amazing thing he said, where he, he said, we spend so much of our youth wanting to fit in, and then we grow up and want to be different. Ooh. But I'm... So my my thought is, do you think that people end up going through adverse moments because they're brought up to fit in only to find out they don't want to fit in anymore? Mm. And so they have this moment of either deciding to go into a different direction or they're going down a road they didn't want to be in. Is it because we're conditioned as small to children fit to fit in? Ah, uh, that is so powerful. And I would say absolutely yes. Just in my own parenting experience, 
I have really worked with both my kids to help them find their passion and their path. And I think it's really, it's hard when your passion isn't a path that is what every, what your peers are doing. Like I'll give an example, school, for example, I don't think school's for everybody. Right. And so yet, that's what everybody, at least here in Silicon Valley, that's what everybody's doing. They're working their asses off to get into a good school, to get a good job. And they're not asking what they are, what makes them happy. And so I have one child that's like, that looks very unattractive. Why would I want to do that? Right. So uh, it, I do think, and if you look at like Niraj and then, you know, Lance, like, There are so many stories we've heard through this podcast of people going down one path and then they realize this path sucks. Right. (laughs) I don't want this path. Right. And I do think it's like the parents thought they wanted it or they thought they were going to fit in or they looked at society and they said, well, this is what society expects people to be. And then they have these breakdown moments where they're like, I don't want that. That's not what I want. Right. So I do think that's a really powerful statement. We're not really taught to embrace out of the box or embrace certainty or embrace like taking a different path. And yet I think it comes back to we want to fit in and fitting in doesn't always mean thinking outside the box. And what would the world be like if everybody kept tuning into their own selves and said, what do I want to do? What do I want to do? And everybody took a different path. Yes. And was was at least on their own path, not on their parents' path, not on society's path. What if everybody from a young age was conditioned to think, what's my path? I, want, I need to find my path and not get tied in right. to the world's path. This is where I think social media is really harmful. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, as, as we continue to talk to all these amazing out-of-the-box thinkers, our school system is not really structured. No. for people to embrace creativity or different aspects of, of the world. We're like taught, you know, these subjects and you must, and if you pass these subjects, then you're smart and you'll be successful, but that's not necessarily true. Yep. And then what do you do? I always tell the story that when I hit 30, I was like, okay, I had a career. I had done tons of education. I was married and I had my first child. I had my said bought the the second home that I owned. We had sold our first and second home. We literally had a white white picket fence. And I had this moment where I was like, oh my God, I have been checking boxes. Mm -hmm. And I went to my parents and I was like, okay, I'm not happy and i did everything that you told me to do i checked all the boxes you told me to do and i forget if it was my mom or my dad uh, i think it was my mom cuz she's the one that can kind of snap me out of my thought pattern she looked at me and she said i didn't tell you to do that i didn't tell you to do those stuff and right. i thought oh my god she's right she right. didn't tell me i projected that she told me because right. <laughs> but it was i just was tied into society yeah. Now, I have a very happy life and it, it was all awesome, but it was a wake-up moment of, I have done everything society told me to do. Mm-hmm. And yet now I can decide what do I truly want to do. Right. Tuning into yourself. And he talked about that with like gratitude and meditation and like really, really looking within, but we're not taught those things either. Like that was one of the things that I, 
I wanted to ask him is like, what if we taught kids from a small, a small age to grant, to be grateful? Like what if they started their school day off with what are you grateful for today? Yeah. What if they were taught journaling or meditation, like all these tools that I feel like if I can think back to my high school self or even my college self, like, oh, that's woo woo. Like th- that's not really real. That's actually not going to get you success. But then yet here we are getting to talk to all these amazing minds who are so successful. And yet that's the one thing they all have in common is that they all practice those things. Yep. Yeah. The best analogy there, the best story I have for that is just my kids went to a school that was very out of the box learning and they were very into art and very into like theater and things like that. But it was a very out of the box learning experience. And they had something called a peace table. So if any of the kids, this was in kindergarten, if any of the kids were fighting, they would bring them together at a peace table and they would teach them how to resolve conflict. Well, fast forward now, my kids are masters at resolving conflict and like sitting down. And especially my daughter and I'm like, we laughed the other day because she was resolving some conflict in her face, in her friend group. And I said, um, oh, well, you're a master at the peace table because she got called to so many peace tables <laughs> in kindergarten. And she laughed and she's like, yeah, you're right. I, I was. So I do think gratitude, any emotion can be taught at an early age. The thing I think for parenting that's so difficult is that you're teaching your kids through modeling more than you're teaching through words. So if you want your kids to be grateful, you've got to be grateful. If you want your kids to eat healthy, you've got to eat healthy. And I think that's the hard part is that we want our kids often to be something that we were not. Mm -hmm. We want them to have a better life than we had, but we don't know how to model that. We only know how to use our words for it. Right. And that's where people get all mixed. Kids get, don't, don't get the complete picture and message. Mm-hmm. That's so true. What did you think of his nighttime routine? Oh, I loved it. So I've been thinking about this with Joe Dispenza, that when we go to sleep and when we wake up, we are in an alpha wave state. And in that state, that is where you're actually tapping into your subconscious mind. So when you're in your like subconscious part of your brain, you are like tapping into a whole vast world of information. So one of the things that I've been thinking about in my morning routine, because I do have a morning routine around social media, Mm -hmm. is that I have to be careful, again, what I'm getting implanted in that because the alpha state is the most suggestive. You're the most vulnerable. Right now, you and I are in beta waves. And in beta waves, we, in a good beta waves, we're having good conversations like we are now. And when we're in anxiety, we're in hyperactive beta waves. Hyperactive beta waves were reactionary. This is where the world is right now, right? <laughs> so we've got to be protective about this alpha state. That was probably my biggest takeaway is like, I'm going to really think about what's, what's going in my mind as I go in to sleep and when I come out. Mm-hmm. I've heard before that's kind of on that note is that's one of the reasons like why saying I like never going to bed angry mm. and saying I love you, whether it's your kids or your spouse is so important because it's like that what you're like, you know what he said, whatever you're listening to before bed, but it puts your brain in that in like that area of like the frequency of love, basically. Yeah. Even if you don't mean it, like if you're angry and you're like, well, I love you and you go to sleep. The fact that you're, but your brain is still perceiving that you use the word love. And so when you go into sleep, you're like going into that frequency of, 
as love. I don't know. I've heard that somewhere before. So, and then on that, you know, oxytocin, when you say love, like when you tell somebody, I love you right before you go to bed, you get a burst of oxytocin. Right. Oxytocin will bring down cortisol. Cortisol will help you regulate insulin. So while you're sleeping now, you're bringing your stress response down. Yeah. So that's actually a really interesting thought. How do you combine this time of going in and out of sleep with hormonal changes you can make just by things like gratitude and love and petting your dog, petting your animals, those kind of things. Right. You know, what's funny is we put out a post on social media, maybe a couple of weeks ago that said ways to boost oxytocin. And we gave like 20 ways, petting your dog, saying, I love you, holding hands, hugging your child, blah, blah, blah. Somebody on social media commented and said, I don't like doing any of those things. I saw that. I'm like, how is it possible that you don't like doing any of those things. Yeah. It's like the person who commented on my radiate positivity shirt right. and said <laughs> that anybody who wears a radiate positivity shirt annoys them. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. I definitely would not want you in my energy field for sure. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. Again, I'm. Uh, this is what I loved about this conversation. And I really hope that people gather this is that there's a whole world of what I would call forward thinkers people who are looking at the way the world is being run right now. And they're saying, I don't want to partake in that. And I think this is actually the heart that was really hard for me last night with the debate was like to watch the cattiness and the fighting. It was like, I don't want my leaders to act like that. I don't want to partake in the energy of that. I don't want anything to do with that because where I'm going and how I want to show up in life and how I want to make others feel has to be is 180 degree opposite of that energy. I know. So when we're when I see posts like that on social media, what I think is that that person has to be really stuck in a different frequency than where I'm at. Yeah. Like you and I've talked about this. It's a trained behavior. You have to make the decision you're going to come out of that frequency. It's and it's Every day you get sucked into it. And that's really what Social Dilemma taught me is like your negative patterning may be reinforced by what you're liking and commenting and how you're interacting on social media. And it just continues to give you more of that, which is scary. I think you too, if you find yourself in that negative, like I, I had a couple people in mind when, I, when he was saying this, but if you have people that are that are playing victim to this negative pattern. I think sometimes people stay in that pattern because they're getting some emotional, mm. whether it's like comments on on your post or yes. it's re- or it's you're getting love, you're getting attention. There's I think there's a lot of people that keep themselves in a negative pattern out of love or attention or some, some that's feeding something within them. So then you got to go, you got to be conscious enough to go a step further and figure out how do you get that love attention? How do you get whatever that is in a positive way, not reinforcing the negative. Yeah. And, and to, to break the pattern and, and understand the that the pattern is not serving you, Right. that those people you're complaining with, you're taking the energy and you're magnifying it. So if you're complaining about something and you aren't liking what you, the situation and you keep complaining, you've now 10 times right. the energy. And the more you do that, the more you accelerate that over and over again. I, the, one example that came to mind as, I, as you were talking is 
I remember when my kids were little and I was working full time and then I I had that uh, had them and all my friends were stay-at-home moms. And when we would get together, they would all look at me and say, "Oh my god, Mindy, I'm so sorry. Like I wish I could help you." Like they like had pity for my situation. And the more they had pity for my situation, the more I was like, oh my God, you're right. This is a horrible situation. And I don't, and then I would look at my husband and lash out at him. And like, I just kept, it kept magnifying my situation. And one day I realized like, okay, do you want to keep doing that? Or do you want to do something different? Mm -hmm. And I started, this is when I got really into mindset work and I started listening and to other people and thinking differently. And it took time, but the more I started to think different, the more I realized, oh my God, I love my work. And I love what, that I get to make an impact in the world. And I love that I model for my kids that I'm a, uh, I'm a, a woman of service and purpose. And the more I went into that energy, the more wonderful things showed up for me. And then the ironic thing was that when all of our kids grew up, these same women were really struggling to find purpose and they were really struggling to figure out what to do outside their children. And I felt really blessed to have my work. And I was thinking, God, you know, if I could go back to the young parent that I was, I would tell her to be grateful for this opportunity to serve humanity and be a parent. And that, that's the energy I should live in. But instead, I got stuck into the complaining energy and it really brought me more pain and suffering than it needed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I think that goes to that goes to his like thing about luck. I don't, I, I think luck is just your incongruence with the world on what your purpose mm. was. Yeah. If you were out to, I don't know, let's just give Lance, I think if he's so on purpose for like his his mission to reach people on adversity, like there will come a time where if that is what the, what his purpose was meant to be with the universe, there will come a time where he'll meet Tony Robbins and Tony Robbins yes. will be on his podcast. Yes. Like the universe will create that to happen. But yeah. you got to be congruent with what your purpose is and what you're doing. Yeah. I think that's absolutely right. And when you're not congruent, this is back to when you're trying to fit into society or what your parents said, you, you know, you keep hitting obstacles. So being yeah. congruent, that path, the congruent path is a very, a much smoother one. So, yes. okay, well, I will listen to you next time. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys, when you hear Jessica pop in next time, where I'm trying to encourage her to come in on more of these, she's got great thoughts as you guys can see. And yeah, we hope you, you love this one. We hope you got really good information out of it. We haven't done a lot of mindset work on this podcast before. So we really wanted to bring him in and and talk about what he's learning, interviewing all these people. And as always, we always want you guys to be the best version of you you can possibly be. And I think what he shared today is another layer to doing that. So hope it helps. You put the whole foods in, you take all empty foods out, you put organic food in. Shake bad toxins out. You eat ketobiotic and your microbiome shouts. That's what it's all about. You put fast cycling in. You take overeating out. You put the good fats in. Trying seven fast types out. You download Carb Manager where your food is all graphed out. That's what it's all about. That's what resetting is all about.